Hello and welcome to New Business Paradigms. I'm Christy Jansen, Chief of Staff at the World Business Academy, and I'm here in a virtual room thanks to Zoom with Ronaldo Brutico, the Academy's President and Founder. The World Business Academy is a 501c3 nonprofit action incubator dedicated to elevating the consciousness of people in the business community and encouraging business leaders to use their power and influence to take greater responsibility for the communities and the environment their work touches. We are recording this show on March 28th, 2020. Please forgive any audio inconsistencies. As I mentioned before, we are taking the social distancing recommendations to heart and recording this via remote tools. Before we get going, I'd like to invite our listeners to reach out to us at info at worldbusiness.org. If you have questions or comments about the show today, or if you have anything you would like to hear us discuss in the future, we would love to hear from you. As always, you can listen to us on the go using Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio. Just search World Business Academy. Also, I'd like to remind everyone to check out our weekly radio show and podcast, Solutions News. Send us a note if you'd like to find out how you can listen. All right, Ronaldo, let's hear it. Let's jump into today's program. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We're, <clears throat> I'm coming to you once again, as is Christy. Well, we're all separated. I'm coming to you from my home office. Christy's coming from her, coming in from her home, our producer, and Benjamin, uh, our line producer, is coming in from his home. So all three of us are in different places. And in the event there's any breakup of the signal, just understand that we're doing our best, but the, the, the internet in my location is particularly stressed right now. And therefore, it, there may be some dropouts or whatever. If that happens and anybody misses something, please don't hesitate to write us a note and we'll fill in the blank. Uh, and we will, of course, make a podcast available of this, which will have those blanks hopefully fixed. Now, let me start with what's obvious. We, we said last week we'd start doing these every week, this podcast, because the speed with which this is going to change des- deserves being updated every week. And with that in mind, I want to start first with the illness, the pandemic, and then I want to go to the economics, and we're going to hit both really well today. Let's talk about the pandemic. First of all, as uh, Bill Gates, the founder of Microsoft, so ably summed up just a couple days ago, it is impossible to fix the economy, as Trump would like, unless you get the pandemic under control. Or the way Gates summarized it was, you can't build an economy and disregard the bodies building up in the corner. He's right. You cannot go into a society that's in this type of um, potential crisis or crisis and fix anything in the economy when we have to maintain social separation as we're doing with this broadcast because we've got to get that phase out of the way social separation how do we do that up until now there's only been one way to do that and that way was for us to hope that the wave that governor cuomo so ably keeps talking about would pass over that tsunami would pass over and we get it to the point where our health systems can once again uh, manage the crisis So if we're going to have a 40 to 60% or 80% of the people get infected, one way to end this is to wait till 40, 50, 60, 80% get infected. That's not a good way to do it for a whole bunch of reasons. And it subjects a lot of us to death who are at risk like yours truly. I have two or three risk factors. So it's particularly pertinent to me that I have to be really careful. But there is another ray of hope, a light I want to explain to people. The testing we are doing, and we are not doing enough of it. We, as you know, relative to per thousand testing, we're the worst tested country in the world by far, factor of five. 
when we talk about South Korea testing, we're talking about South Korea testing like massively higher numbers on a per capita basis. Our testing woefully inadequate because A, first the Trump administration wanted to design its own test rather than use the World Health Organization test. Cost us two months and a bad, bunch of bad tests. So then we finally got around to using the right tests and trying to deploy them. We just have not been able to get enough out into the field. Today, if you walk into a hospital in New York City and you have symptoms, but they're not severe and you have the virus, you may or may not be able to get a test. And if you do, you might not be able to get the results for five days, which is crazy because then you're going to go home and infect all kinds of other people. Now, what, so I'm hearing, now, what I'm hearing, Ronaldo, is that they're, they're actually advising people not to try to get tested unless, you know, unless they're in the healthcare industry or there's some real re reason that they need it. And just assume that they have the virus if you're showing symptoms. Just assume you've got it. Yeah. The problem with that is, it, 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 first of all, it puts a huge dent on what would otherwise be the employable base of people because everybody's going to assume they got it, even if they just got a cold. So testing, 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 everybody knows that. I don't think people need to turn into my program and hear that because they, if they haven't heard that yet, they haven't been listening. And that's Cuomo's point. That's what the World Health Organization is saying. Everybody says the same thing. Test, test, test. You got to find out where the virus is, and then you have to try and corral that area, put your attention on it so you can slow the spread in that area. Otherwise, you're shooting everywhere with inadequate supplies. We don't have anywhere near enough tests. We clearly don't have enough protective gear. I mean, almost 200 police officers in New York alone have now tested positive, um, let alone there was 160 health workers alone at a Boston hospital tested positive. And we, are, we don't have protective gear, personal protective equipment, PPE. We don't have the ventilators that we really need. So, so Ronaldo, what you're saying is that this was our first big failure, that we, we missed the opportunity to actually start testing to be able to target our approaches, target where we have to shut down the economy. And that cat is out of the bag. That, we don't have to worry about that. So what are the other options that we have? Well, no, so, so, so December is when we figured this out. In January, the federal intelligence agencies reported to the Trump administration what was coming. And instead of getting ready for it, the Trump administrations, until about a week and a half ago, spent their time just ignoring it. So that kind of testing is called D DNA or RNA testing. And I can explain the difference to you, but basically this, this particular coronavirus lodges in, it, it's active ingredient in its chromosomes is RNA. And that's interesting because that's not typical of a virus from a human, but which goes into DNA usually. But putting that aside, that test, which takes a swab that you have to make at the back of someone's throat, almost always going to cause them to gag, by the way, which is why those swab sticks have to be so long. You're going to be coughing in the face of the person giving it to you. You can also do it if you stick the swab way up your nose cavity, which is very uncomfortable. So then you get, but if you don't get enough DNA, by the way, in either the back of the throat or the nose, what happens is you get an inaccurate test. You might test negative when you've really got it positive. So it's, it's, it's really important that we have a good test that's well administered and we have it for everybody. We need 350 million people to get tested ultimately. But we can start with 150 million or so for openers. Those tests are going to get built and they're going to get delivered and it's going to be over the next three, four months. We'll get plenty of those tests. But that doesn't solve the other problem, which is how do you keep the economy from being destroyed by this lockdown? So I have a proposal, which I made about four days ago, and I'm making it official by talking about it today on the show. I have informed my congressional delegation of it. They're very interested in it. I think that I'll be telling some other people about it. But what that's 
opportunity is, is what's called serological or blood testing, as opposed to DNA or RNA testing, which is done with DNA and RNA. So the blood testing goes much quicker. You can get the results in probably about 15 minutes. There are at least three potential sources in the United States alone that are now in trial testing this. Um, and uh, I'll tell you about one of them really quick, which is United Biomedical. And um, apparently, I was delighted to see this, the Icon School of Medicine uh, at Mount Sinai is also got one out and they're in active testing on a group of people now just to make sure. And just to let you know, the test that they ran, which was really, really interesting, they ran a test for 63 people, 59 healthy people, only four people at random they knew had COVID-19. The test correctly identified all four who had it and correctly identified the other 59 did not. That's Mount Sinai. And that's, that test can be scaled up. That's, that's really good news, Ronaldo, because that shows that actually once we can prove that these tests work, we can scale them up more rapidly. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what I think will happen. Now, United Biomedical has already done one whole county. There's a great article in the Atlantic Magazine about how um, United Biomedical uh, went to this really small uh, county where Telluride is located called San Miguel County in Colorado and decided to test all 8,000 people to see what they could find out. And what they're learning is how many people actually already had the virus. So let me walk you through the scenario. If you've already had the virus, you likely will have antibodies from having had the virus. That blood test in 15 minutes can tell us, Christy, you've got antibodies, which means you are now safe. You can't be infected by somebody else, which means you could go back to work. And if everybody else in the workplace or at the restaurant or the bar also has been tested and has already gotten the virus, they can go back to work and serve dinner in restaurants and whatever. So we don't have to wait for the whole country to get healthy. We test the people who we think already had the virus, however we determine that. In the case of this Colorado County, they tested all 8,000 people, which I thought was pretty impressive. Right? But you find out who's got it. Here's the next step, which is critical. I'm arguing that we must create a, a national, if you will, identity card that you have had the virus. So a health card, if you will, a national health card. And you would get it by presenting yourself at a testing station for the blood test. You would let them draw the blood. It takes, you can prick it in your finger, by the way. It only takes about five or six drops. It doesn't take a whole transfusion. So it's a real easy thing to do, and it's quick. You take the blood test. If you pass, they issue you a card right on the spot with your picture ID saying, you are safe to go back to work and eat at restaurants. Everybody who gets that card can come out of um, social distancing because the only people they'll be with are people who also have the card. Why that's so powerful is it means that we can start sending people back into bars tomorrow morning and restaurants. And we can start sending people into workplaces. And we can also segregate the people in workplaces who have already gotten the virus, like those Amazon warehouses that are becoming a Petri dish of infection. And we can take those and we can actually get all the people on one line that are working only three feet apart. And we can put them there because it won't matter. They've already had the disease. And we keep the people who haven't had the disease at least six feet apart in a different, different place. So we can rebuild the economy dramatically faster. Now, if the White House does not want to take responsibility, and given how bad it is at logistics right now, I think maybe they shouldn't, I'm urging the House of Representatives to use its authority to issue that card. And the way I would have them issue it is through the offices of the governors of the respective states who choose to participate in the program. I guarantee you all 50 states will pursue it because all 50 states have business people who want to go back to work. So what you do is you create this card. Let's say, for example, Christy, you show up in Santa Barbara, California at the coronavirus testing station. You give them four drops of blood. 
they, you wait 15, 20 minutes. They tell you if you got it or not. If, you, if you've already had the disease, you get the card, and now you are free to circulate at will. And remember, everybody who's got that card is going to be bumping into only people who also have that card, which means they can't give it to each other because they've already had it. I think this is a, this is a, a great idea, and, and it could be easy to scale up once we have an accurate test that, is, that can give you a, sort of a quick turnaround reply. The question that I have is like, who's going to pay for that test? Is, are people going to pay for that out of pocket? Is that going to be something that no. the federal no, government No, 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 no. This is 100% paid for by the federal government. 100%. Okay. The federal no. government, and, and that's what I'm saying. If the, if, if the White House doesn't want to do it, the House of Representatives can do it, but it's got to be 100% paid for by the government because it's telling us who can go back to work. The, minister, the Trump administration is going to love this because it solves their one conundrum. They don't know how to get people back to work. They're scared to death. This does it. And that's why it's such a great idea. It's outside the box thinking, but it works. And I think that's great. The second question I have, though, is like, what about people who, I mean, in California, I think there's probably 3% of our population is undocumented, they're estimating. What about people who are in that category who are, a lot of those people are in sort of high risk jobs. They're, they're working directly with, with people. They, you know, they're sort of the hidden, the hidden masses, so to speak they don't have a lot of trust in the federal government. How can we get over that? Well, first of all, I think that's a great, I'm glad you asked. First of all, let's take California, where you can get a driver's license without proof of citizenship. And that's true in many other states. So in those states, it will not be an issue if you have a driver's license, whether or not you have other papers. Number two, if you don't have a driver's license, you could do it with any form of photo ID. Number three, and this is really important, when I said that it would be a national health identity card, I don't mean a national identity card tied to your social security number. I don't mean about another identity card that's going to be like South Africa during apartheid. I'm talking about a health identity card, meaning I am safe to mix with other people, is what this card says. And you carry that card with you because, you know, you're driving to work, you might get stopped by a cop, right? And that cop um, could say to people, uh, where are you going? You just show them the card. I'm, uh, I'm already cleared. I'm going to work. Okay, go ahead, Christy, go to work. Um, you go to a restaurant, you walk in the front door, instead of taking your temperature, which the Chinese are doing, and is not as effective, you flash your card. Your card says, I'm okay, I've had the virus, I'm good to come, ba come back. And the restaurant owner says, great, have a table. Here you go, sit down, have lunch. So we can put this economy back together again if we think creatively. But no one is talking about this idea yet, and they need to be. This is what the government should be doing. And if, if the House of Representatives called them, say, Gavin Newsom in California, uh, Inslee in uh, Washington, Governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, um, Cuomo in New York, Massachusetts, all of these states, the head of New Jersey government, all these guys, governors, these women and men, are willing to do this because their office could easily control the distribution of the card in their state. So you have the state controlling the blood test and the distribution of the card never goes to the federal government, no, never goes to a remote lab, gets tested right on the spot while you wait. That's, that's the way out of this mess. That will save the economy. If we don't, if, if we don't take a position like that, then we're going to have the following crisis. Uh, right now, I could not see how unemployment is going to fall below 20% in the near future, very near future. The St. Louis Fed, I mean, that's, and by the way, Steve Mnuchin gave that number, the Treasury Secretary. Uh, the St. Louis Fed said they think it could get as high as 30%. To put that in perspective, 25% was the Great Depression. Yeah. So we, we are going into depression era statistics, but unlike the Great Depression where we had FDR to get us out of it, we don't have a federal government getting us out of this. They're actually muddling it up. They're making it harder. Okay. So we're going to have to do it one state at a time. It's a new kind of federalism. 
But I think the governors are up to it because they see the damage on the ground. They're going to they're gonna pay attention the way Cuomo is and the other governors I mentioned. So to me, when you're talking about unemployment of 20, 30%, how long can you take that before the economy completely craters? Well, this $2 trillion bill, which was just passed, and I think that's great that it was passed. Uh, and, and for people who don't know about the bill, there's some you know, provisions in there for a lot of people. For example, if you're unemployed, you can get as much as 100% of your uh, salary, and you could get it for up to four months. If you are already on unemployment insurance, you could get up to an extra $600 on that. Um, there is a $500 billion for large companies and bailouts, which hopefully will result in eco economic benefits to society. I guess the, the number one thing that, it, that you would get is you would get the small business loans available at about 350 to 400 billion so that companies that are paying for their workers, even when they're not bringing any money in, uh, would have a way to get those workers paid to stay in business. It's particularly important for groups like ours where some of our companies, for-profit companies, provide the resources so we can do all this nonprofit stuff to keep people on the payroll. Well, if I could get some help from the government to keep people on the payroll, I wouldn't have to worry about having to terminate a bunch of people, which this bill supposedly is gonna help me avoid. So I urge everybody, whether you are a bartender or a captain of industry, you need to look at that bill and you need to find out how you can get your fair share of the two trillion. I think that's, that's really important. I think, I mean, it's just a great start. It probably won't do enough to, to keep us really going. I was listening to a, uh, an interview yesterday and the states are saying that their, um, their incomes are dropping off like 100% almost in, in some states with the, with the reduction of people working. And so then the schools are gonna be affected and the fire departments and the, 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 the places that run on state incomes are gonna be affected. And I don't know if this bill has any provisions for state governments or not. Yes, it does. It has provisions and they're desperately needed. It also has provisions to shore up state uh, unemployment compensation programs, which is yeah. vitally needed because they're being swamped. I mean, we said in the, in, in the show last week, when we saw that 35% jump in unemployment from 280 to like 350,000, I said, well, it's going to be a lot higher than that next week. Yeah, I think it was and like 3.3 million this last week. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was going to get up to about 2.5 million, but I didn't want to say so because I thought it would scare people. We got <laughs> over, it's actually, right now it's probably up to over 3.6 million and climbing. Yeah. So, so I, I, you know, I, I, I tried to warn people last week, and, I, and I've been warning people about buying gold forever. I mean, if you'd have bought gold even a year ago, it'd be up 335% right now. It's even more if you bought it when I started telling you back in October of 2018. Um, I told people, get out of the stock market. Now, I didn't know this crisis was coming this way. I did not see that coming. What I saw coming was a deep recession, which I kept calling for, for other reasons. And what coronavirus did is it took the already weakened economy, which on fundamentals had not changed enough, and coronavirus put it in a pressure cooker. And that pressure cooker caused the unemployment to explode. Literally. I mean, it's like blew the lid off. And it's going to keep going till we get up to 20% or more. And the, how do you get down from 20%? You're going to have to issue a health card. Otherwise, it's going to keep climbing till it gets to 35%. Now, why is it going to stop at 35%? Because at that point, everybody who has got, they're going to go broke when broke. Mm -hmm. Everybody who was, in, like, for example, um, we have a, our sister company, Optimus Daily, which is in the business of doing electronically stories. Okay, well, People can work from home remotely doing that. If they get paid, they can do it. So my problem is to get them paid, but if I can get them paid, which is what this bill encourages me to do, I'll get that money back. Well, 
that means I can keep those people working. They won't be part of the 35%. But if you work in an occupation like a restaurant, which is there's 15 mil, million people in America that work in the restaurant industry, I'm going to guess probably 8 million of them are unemployed, which means that the next filing is going to have 2 to 3 million more people in it. So we're in a runaway here. And, and the only way to bring this back under control is to get smart and to get innovative. And, you know, it reminds me of that great quote by um, Winston Churchill. You can count on the Americans to get it right after they've tried everything else. After, exactly. No, I, no I, I think that almost 20% of our economy is filled with service workers, people who are in that, like the restaurants or the, the people who support restaurants. And that is a huge part of our, our workforce. And so if all of those people lose their jobs, which is what's happening in, in some cities right now, we're going to have, you know, just millions and millions of people who are not employed. And it's going to take time. Even, even once we start going back, it'll take time for those people back employed. We'll take even, you know, the local retail store on, on Main yeah. Street. Yeah. Okay, they're, they're, they're up the creek, and they didn't have but maybe a month worth of cushion as it is. Uh, take the dry cleaners. Take the barber shops, yeah. hair salons. Hair salons, nail salons. Uh, I mean, all these places that just cater to people face-to-face, -face, they're right now not able to work at all. And until we get people back into the street feeling safe enough to go back out there, you're not going to have any activity. And if you had a card, Christy, that said, I've already had the virus, you'd feel perfectly safe. Yeah. You would go to somebody, or in my case, I, I, I have to go to chiropractic. I have a bad back issue, have had it for 40 years, 35 years, and I can't go to my chiropractor, which is really tough. But if I end up having had the virus, which I haven't, and please God, I don't get it because of my age and my asthma, um, you know, I, I would say uh, it would be great to be able to go to a chiropractor again. All I got to do is find one who has got the card like I got the card. And I know the only people going into his shop will be people with the card, right? And so now I, if I own a restaurant, I could say, hey, folks with cards, come in and buy lunch here. If I'm a dry cleaner, I can open for four hours a day for the people who have the cards. Eventually I open for $5 hours a day. And it can keep rebuilding and building and building. So that's how you rebuild this economy, one worker at a time, one store at a time, one restaurant at a time. And I believe it's the only solution that will ultimately work. And, and, and now that we have seriological or blood testing, it gives us the opportunity to do that. We've got to organize the car. Yeah, so I think that's so important. Now, I, I, I was listening to another interview this morning in relation to the calls from the federal government. Reopen everything now. You know, what is the purpose of the social distancing and keeping things slowed down? Um, and one of the things that they found back in the uh, 1918 pandemic, the places where they, that kept the, the social distancing longer ended up doing better economically a year a year later than the places Absolutely. that had had let everybody just mingle and many more people fell ill many more people died and their economies were hit yeah, for much go, longer yeah let me go back to that because see, that's where trump is so nuts he doesn't yeah. understand the economy you if you try to go back too soon this stupid idea go open up on easter you know fill the churches on easter oh my god what a dumb idea but anyway the point is the churches aren't that dumb they're not going to do it if you take the idea that we are going to have to deal with the disease before we can deal with the economy, then you understand that if you try to put the economy in front of the disease, the disease wins. 
In other words, you put the economy in front of the disease, the disease will keep wiping out your economy and you have to start from scratch all over again. So it, you're better off coming up with a strategy that's gonna put this disease under control, which means find out the people who can see each other and the ones that can't, they can't. Now, I believe, I know we're running out of time, I've only got a couple minutes left, but I believe the program I'm suggesting could be inaugurated within one to two weeks maximum, which means you can start having people going back to work in one to two weeks, not two months. Think about that. And here's the other part that's good. We don't know what's going to happen with, will this virus mutate? Early indications are it's not going to mutate like the flu every year. But if it were going to, mute, going to mutate, we'd have to get the card updated, right? So if we come up with a new virus form, you'd have to have a second sticker on your card that you also have that one or you'd be back into, under control. But my guess is, since you will be out there with people only who have the card, you're not going to be giving each other new versions of it and we're probably going to be able to avoid that second hit. Yeah, what I've seen is, is that if, if we do use these serological tests, you have to do them every few weeks in the beginning to really uh, check. Yeah, I think you got to do the, you, I think once is plenty, but I think you start just doing it. If there's a company, um, but I, I, I don't want to throw too much cold water on the idea that somebody could come up with a test that's quicker and cheaper and faster, like Abbott Labs is coming up with one that's going to, test for coronavirus and they think they can get it done and they, they can get them deployed within a, within a few, like a month. They, have, they think they can build as many as 50,000 testing kits a day. And this particular test, which will find the RNA, uh, I guess can be used anywhere. And it turns out that this particular one uh, comes back with a result uh, very, very quickly. I, I believe the positive result would already be recovered from, the, yeah, I think it's at, at I think it's five minute results, 10 minutes. So there is a DNA test that's on the way that could be faster to detect who has the virus right now, but that's not gonna be as important to the economy as detecting who already had the virus. That's what I'm talking about, who has already had it. We focus on getting those people back to work, that becomes the base of the economy. And to your point earlier, Christy, yes, there's gonna be a bill for, there's gonna be a fourth bill. And frankly, it's gonna be at least a trillion dollars. And I don't think that's gonna be the end of it. I think there's gonna be another one after that. But, it's, but, but however many there are, we have to have a strategy for getting rid of the problem. And yeah. we don't have that strategy now. And I so think uh, I totally agree. Part of the problem is that the scattershot approach has really hampered our ability to be coordinated in our actions. And you need to have a strategic approach. And it'd be great if it came from the, from the federal government, but at least... Uh, the, the, maybe the governors have to come. Maybe it's that new federalism you're talking about. And we have to yeah, you know, round up. Yeah, let's just take this as an example, and we can wrap here. You know, people forget how the country started. The country started with 13 colonies. Everyone was like a separate nation, in effect. And what they learned from the Articles of Confederation, which they threw out in 1886 because they had to get it didn't work was that they couldn't put up barriers between states if they wanted to have a single federal country. Because you could stop anybody coming in from New York in Massachusetts in the Commonwealth. Well, guess what's just happened this week? The states are erecting barriers. So you cannot travel from New York to Massachusetts now. You can't travel from New York to Rhode Island now. Wow. Okay, If you do, you're subject to 14-day quarantine, which is a smart idea. So we're already breaking the back of the constitution that we adopted, which guarantees free movement of people and goods across all states. And we're, we're rediscovering how to work with each other in the absence of an accurate functioning federal government, which is where we're at. Okay. Now, I'm going to end with some good news and I'll end with this. 
I believe the American business community, which is responding and going to respond because it wants to make profits with huge capacity of PPE, not going to get here on time to save the next 3,000 dead people, but it's going to get here. Uh, we have an amazing capacity of tests for coronavirus that will expand dramatically. Ain't going to help us for the next four to six weeks, but it will get here. We have the positive possibility of doing serological testing for those who already have the virus. That could be here within 10 days, and the cards could go out within a day after that. So we have things at our disposal. And by the way, that's without even talking about a vaccine. And it's without talking about something that could cure the disease once you got it, besides a ventilator. So, so, so I, and by the way, I hope we come up with a pill in our arsenal that can do that. I hope we come up with a, uh, a way to prevent this in the future, or at least modify its impact so it doesn't kill people or require ventilation for up to 21 days. Because, you know, even if you get a ventilator, it's not guaranteed you're going to live. No. And in fact, many people have died with ventilators. Yeah. So, so the idea, in fact, I want to find a statistic. Uh, Benjamin, if you can find this, I'd love to know. How many people on ventilators who actually get on a ventilator die? from the disease, because the ventilator alone can't do it. I think it's probably a pretty good sized number, we'll find out. So I guess where I wrap is, we've got lots of possibilities. Let's get our act together. People like Governor Cuomo are doing a brilliant job of explaining the problem and reporting on it factually. As bad as New York's been hit, he's doing everything he possibly can. I wanna see the purchasing of equipment centralized. If that means the federal government will continue to not want to do it, then I believe what Cuomo is suggesting, which is a, a consortium under the new federalism of states who collectively buy together so that California doesn't build, the price of a mask went from 75 cents to $5, literally. Okay, why? Because California would say, I'll buy it for two, New York will buy it for three, New Jersey will buy it for four, Washington will buy it for five, and before long, it just keeps, they're bidding up each other because there's not one buyer. We need to have one buyer. Mm -hmm. And we need to have one authority that will distribute that equipment where it's needed most. When the peak passes in New York, it's going to release 10,000 ventilators for somebody else. Where do they go? Who needs them the most? Right. So we need a national response, but the federal government's not capable of it. So we might have to, this new federalism, I have to create it. And I think that's where I should leave. Yeah. And, and I think that's... That's so important, Ronaldo, because some states have bigger balance sheets than other states. So, I mean, California, New York, these are big states. They have, they have, they're relatively wealthy. But what if it's Louisiana or Alabama that is the next epicenter? Can they really afford to bid up the $5 masks? Just to give you an idea, Louisiana has now passed New York in, in coronavirus cases per population. Yeah. It's already there. So it's, it's, and it's frightening and scary, and we have to come together and support each other. The death rate in Mississippi is going to be alarmingly high because the governor of Mississippi has refused to acknowledge the virus. Okay, so what's going to happen is a little what used to be called old-fashioned karma cleansing. Okay, the, the governors who are doing the poorest jobs running their states are going to have the worst results and are going to be the last ones to recover if they ever do. The states that are better run, even the larger ones, New York, California, are going to recover quicker with less structural damage to themselves and with far fewer dead people per capita. That's where it's gonna go. Now, uh, we will continue doing these every week while this virus is going on. Uh, please listen in. What's gonna happen to your wealth is the biggest topic we'll be talking about in the future. I won't be putting as much time into the health part of it as the wealth part of it next week. But I do want you to listen in again next week to find out where you can go to protect yourself financially. In the meantime, go look at the bill, see if it's, there's something in there for you because there's in there for almost everybody. And let's all get through this together. Help anybody you can who's having trouble on their own. And I wish everybody safe 
and happy uh, cocooning. Because <laughs> that's where we're at right now and not much other choice. Thanks so much, Eric.